Oh, look, we're, we're really fortunate. Um, we're very well supported by people that don't want acknowledgement, but everyone from our local butchers to um, individuals in the community is very, very giving and very supportive. We're, we're absolutely blessed. Um, Any time that we've put out there that we need, you know, clothing or anything like that, we have people who turn up and say, I have this in my house and I haven't, you know, used it for 12 months or whatever. There's no shortage of kindness in Charters Towers. I'm Teresa Hudson, coordinator of the Community Information Centre. And in today's podcast, I sat down with Tiffany Hopkins, CEO of Prospect Community Services in Charters Towers. They are an essential service that helps clients with a range of programs, including housing, disability and family support. However, COVID restrictions have forced many changes to how their programs look, operate and are offered. Tiffany talks about how their organisation supports the community, but also how the community supports them. The Community Information Centre acknowledges the Gujal, Woolgarugaba and Bindal people as the traditional custodians of the land where this podcast was created. We pay our respect to Elders past, present and future. So how long have you been with Prospect? Uh, I believe yesterday it was uh, seven years and one month in multiple capacities. So before I started working full time, I was on the board for nearly six years. Um, started as a company secretary. In a volunteer um, position? Yep, volunteer capacity. And um, eventually ended up being the chairperson and then moved into a client services manager role in 2019 and did that for about six months. And in that time we had uh, acting CEO and was approached a couple of times about whether or not I wanted to um, work in the CEO role, but I felt that I hadn't worked in operations for long enough to justify doing that. I kind of felt like that would be very arrogant. Um, And on the third time when I was approached, I went home and thought about it and had a conversation with my family about what that looked like because I have a large family. And And while on paper it's probably an 8.30 till 5 job. Yes, yes. On on paper it's um, 8.30 till 5.30 but in real life and particularly in that period, it was big days, so 10, 11 hour days nearly every day. Um, we were coming up to a double audit, um, so there was a lot of work to be done. Was that your first time going through that process? First time operationally, so not the first time I'd done it from a governance perspective, but never operational. So I think because everybody makes audits look scary, um, and I had to speak to the staff at length about the fact that it was just about an opportunity to improve. So we had to switch the mindset in house so that it wasn't daunting. Um, because a lot of staff felt that, you know, auditors were people who were coming to, to shut your service down and that's, that's the furthest from the truth. They're there to help you to improve. So what were your lessons learnt from that first process? Oh, um, our first process was done remotely. So it was done over Zoom essentially because of COVID-19. Um, so I guess my learning from that is that the next one will be easier because I think um, having people in-house to guide you is probably easier than trying to navigate everything um, remotely and I had to become very tech-savvy very quickly. (laughs) Was the organisation set up to be tech-savvy? I think we had always done what we'd always done because it worked. We had a lot of people who were afraid of technology. Um, You know, uh, the the range of age in our workplace is from um, very early 20s to... 
almost 60 for some people and probably some people who are a little bit older than that in our support worker um, field. So there were some people who were very good at it and some people who were not. And so we introduced SharePoint and that was a massive change for us so that people could communicate I've better. I've used SharePoint. Yeah. And it's good but it can, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it it, can be uh, a... Not a very nice friend sometimes. Yeah, and some people transitioned very easily and others were like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I can't change that. is hard, but it's especially really when hard. you're not in the mindset for that change, like it's out of your control. Yeah, it is. And when you know how to use something very proficiently in another way, you tend to stick with that for as long as you can. <laughs> it's just easier. Because it's that saying, why change it when it's not broke? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So did the 2019 floods... In Townsville. Yeah. Did that have any impact out here for Prospect? I think for us it was um, obviously housing became a big issue for Townsville. So we saw a shift of people into our community um, because they just couldn't get rental properties. So, Mm. um, you know, from there on housing has been a major issue um, across a lot of communities and across Queensland. So there's a massive social housing shortage. Um, I think... um, we weren't as impacted, obviously, as as areas, as, you know, as Townsville, but there was also a lot of rain out west as well. So mm. we were sort of sitting in an island that was surrounded by, um, you know, communities that were impacted. So, so when the COVID nineteen hit and we were told to lock down, you're not to travel within fifty kilometres, mm-hmm. but you're delivering an essential service. Yep. What does that look like for Prospect? What it looked like for us was that it happened instantaneously. So I got a phone call at about three o'clock in the afternoon and I was actually in Townsville. Um, so I got a phone call from um, our funding body who said that you will be closed by 11.59pm tonight. Um, and I was actually in Castletown, funnily enough, and uh, I rang um, a gentleman who'd done a lot of work for us. He had been our acting CEO to see how he was going and, and you know, what they were going to do. And um, we had this bit of an ongoing joke um, and I said to him because, you know, everybody who was a CEO was feeling it. They were um, working under the pump and, and trying to make a big change instantaneously. And Did you have a policy in place for a pandemic? We had a business continuity plan but no one had ever done a pandemic before. So yeah. it's written in there, but then to but action that, that like? yeah. is very different. Yeah. Um, and when you say pandemic, I've never lived through one, so I had no idea what that would look like. But it meant that immediately there was no face-to-face delivery. So, And to go back a step, what are the services that Prospect deliver? So the reason that our doors had to close was because we received funding as a neighbourhood centre, but we also do all the community housing um, in Charterstowers, we have 35 properties and we also manage um, community housing through, through Townsville. We do family support and youth support. So immediately that all had to become non-contact. So what does family support look like? Um, so family support and youth support are around um, information advice and referrals and case management. So helping people with um, domestic tasks, you know, routines, um, engaging them with allied health services, um, a lot of, you know, mental health services, etc. So that all had to become remote. And we also provide emergency relief funds, which is for people in crisis. So uh, food and, and essential items like that. So we then had to 
put it out to everybody that we would not be doing any face-to-face. We had to do non-contact intake and then our staff were delivering food to people's front gates and leaving it on their gate, contacting them by phone to say, we've just put it on your gate, can you come out and pick it up? So that we knew that they were receiving it while we sat in the car and watched and made sure they received their their goods. So Mm. um, it was hard for us because everything we do is around people. And and face-to-face. And you mentioned the word Mm. crisis. Mm. We were in a crisis we're and you were told that you couldn't deliver your services. Not that we couldn't deliver but that we had to change our delivery model immediately. Yeah. yeah. To a very, very vulnerable cohort of people. That's right. Do you think in hindsight now when we look back on it because now we hear the word that if um, every business, every service that can operate is essential, they need to keep operating now. But the messaging that we got at the start was lockdown. Yeah. And... I think um, when we talk about people who work in essential services, we forget that they're people as well. So while we were trying to change everything that we do every day, all of our daily routines, we had people who, you know, our, our workplace is very heavily female um, oriented. Our workforce is, is majority female um, persons. And those ladies, a lot of them became the sole income earner in that period because their partners worked in industries that were immediately shut down. So, you know, we're a big cattle area here and immediately there was no cattle sales. So if you have a partner who who worked here at our sale yards or or was, you know, carting cattle and, you know, live export and all of that sort of thing, you had no income. So on top of them coming to work and trying to work out how to continue to deliver service to the community, they also had the added pressure of, what was going on behind closed doors. Yep, the sole breadwinner in their family. As a CEO, that um, probably lies heavily on your shoulders then of supporting a lot of people at once. Yes, and it, it, it um, look, there's so much to be, to be proud of in that period. We also do disability and mental health support and we're the biggest provider in our community. We have some staff who uh, were permanent or um, permanent part-time who actually came in and said, I know that some of our casuals are struggling because we had clients who disengaged in that period, participants who didn't want to receive service because they were afraid, you know, there was Mm. a huge amount of fear. So we had some of our support workers who came in and said, look, normally I I work 35 hours a week, but I'm going to reduce my hours by 10 hours a week so that my my team can receive some more hours. So That's awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. You mentioned you had like a wide age variety of staff as well. So you also had staff in the vulnerable age group as well? Yes, and people who um, have uh, medical conditions that mean that they could be compromised. So um, we then had some staff who worked from home for quite a period of time as well. Were you set up to work from home before that? Uh, look, we, we were very lucky, I guess, that we had um, quite a few laptops, etc. cetera. We'd, we'd changed to SharePoint, which makes it much easier to access things um, from home. But there was resistance. You know, people, you know, we're peopley people. That's what we do. So to say to someone, you know, you really need to speak to your GP about what, what it looks like for you and your health and, and then work out whether or not you need to have a working from home arrangement. And some people resisted. They, oh, I can't see my doctor till, you know, next week, next fortnight, whatever. So um, some people nearly had to be pushed out the door. And um, although they thought initially it would be a really great experience, having come back, they said they really, really missed being in the same room as people. So it was hard. Because you're in an industry that's a people industry. It's a people person industry. Yeah. 
so people that are in that industry like being around people. You're yeah. not in it just because you can't. That's right. And get a job elsewhere. So and we work in teams, so it's it's uh, you know you can do Zoom and all that sort of thing, but it's not the same as sitting with your team. It was a novelty for the first week only, wasn't it? It was, and everyone had those lovely backgrounds. They changed, and they were sitting on islands and all sorts <laughs> of wonderful things. But it wears off very quickly. Yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah. So you've also received funding for domestic violence support. Yes. yes. What did that look like? Um, so we're funded around court support. So obviously the courts were cancelled in that period as well. Um, we run a domestic and family violence shelter in our community. Um, we don't take local people. So um, we receive women from all over the state. And So what do you mean when you don't take local people, people from other communities who need to escape that community? or We don't take people from our community because it's a safety issue. Yeah. yeah. So um, all of our... Um, people who use our shelter are from other communities that come into our community. Right. So then we also had to have a plan around that and what that looks like and we had to have a room set up for people that we were receiving to um, use that room until we had them cleared around COVID as well. So so was that a funded service prior to COVID that got a bit more of an extra funding boost? Yes, yes, we received um, extra COVID funding around that service. How long have you received that funding for? Still continues. And it's being extended until the end of this year. Did you see an increase during COVID for that support and that service? Um, I don't think we saw a decrease. Um, an increase? No, I don't believe we received, that we saw a de an increase in that period. Which is good. Yeah, which is good. It doesn't mean that there wasn't that happening, but when you... When you think about domestic and family violence and the opportunity for women to escape, how do you do that if you're locked in a home with your partner? How do you? Yes. Yeah. And how do you communicate with someone when you're locked in a home with your partner? Yeah. So. Um, I was in your office last week mm -hmm. and I see there's food donations that people can come in and help themselves to food. Mm -hmm. what, how do people access that and where does that come from? So we're funded for that through emergency relief and um, people come in and we do an intake with them and assess what their needs are. So that's again um, under our crisis funding, so what their immediate crisis is. Because we have so many services at Prospect, we provide a wraparound service. So we deal with the crisis first and then we look at what their needs are further to that. So, you know, why are they in this situation and what other help can we provide? Um, do you have any other community services or businesses that partner with you guys to help donate or sponsor any programs? Uh, look, we're, we're really fortunate. Um, I was actually speaking to Tracy yesterday about how lucky we are in our community. We're very well supported. We're very well supported by people that um, don't want acknowledgement. But everyone from our local Woolworths to our local butchers to um, individuals in the community this community is very, very giving and very supportive. We're, we're absolutely blessed. Um, Any time that we've put out there that we need, you know, clothing or furniture or anything like that, we we have people who turn up and say, I have this in my house and I haven't, you know, used it for 12 months or whatever. There's no shortage of kindness in Charters Towers. I think um, it's a very, very kind community. Which is really good because while you receive government funding for your programs and services, it's those little donations and those little supports and partnerships from businesses in our community that make a world of difference, isn't it? Absolutely. And there's there's things that we are not funded for, but it doesn't mean that we don't want to help people. Yeah, so that's right. We, we run a similar type program that we're trying to get up and running in Townsville, that partnership 
model mm. between community organisations and businesses and, and celebrating that where it benefits the business mm. on, on promoting that partnership between oh. the organisation as well as yeah. what the, um, they're doing for the organisation. So it benefits both. Because yeah. you mentioned there's so many businesses give but they don't want to be recognised. Yeah, and, you know, our local churches, et cetera. So instead of them facilitating that emergency relief, that funding is handed over to us to do that. So keep it centralised. Yeah. So we, your, the community newspaper or the local newspaper that's here in Chartist Towers and mm-hmm. that now is no longer. Yes. Has that had any detriment to the services you provide because a lot of your cohort of clients are vulnerable people Mm -hmm. who may not have a mobile phone to follow your page or have Mm -hmm. literacy skills to read um, or know what's going on. How do you reach your clientele or reach your community to let them know that prospect is here and this is what we provide? Look, I think, again, we're very lucky that we are not new to the community. So we we started as an neighbourhood centre more than 30 years ago. So we have a a big footprint here already. Um, Our staff and our participants are our best advertising. So um, we meet with people regularly, um, try to go to the schools and all the places where you would expect to find, you know, families, children, etc. I think for us, a lot of our, our clients are walk-in, so they come in because they do know about us. Um, we network with the doctors in town. We have a very good relationship with QPS. So um, we run the local, um, the LLA in Charterstown, so the local level alliance meeting. We host that. And is that with um, Tiffany Stubborn yeah, from yeah. Mercy? Yeah, Tiffany number two, I call her. She <laughs> is like... She's phenomenal. She's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, a walking, talking... Dictionary of services and linkages. Absolutely, absolutely. So if there is um, a new service to be provided in our community that's funded to deliver in our community, she will let us know mm. probably before the service. She's, she's on top of it all the time. Yeah. You've got a community day coming up soon. What does that look like? Gosh, that started quite a long time ago. Um, we actually had a student who was working for us and that was their project. And um, I don't know that anyone ever thought that it would sustain itself for such a long period of time Um, but it's quite a big event. We didn't have it last year obviously uh, due to COVID. We're really looking forward to um, hosting that again and to you know possibly we will have to change a little bit about what we do and I guess um, we talked yesterday about the possibility of having to cap some numbers because the space that we use we've we've nearly outgrown that space really Um, but it's still the most I believe it's it's the best space for that event. What will so that... it's a community day yes. that's free to come along to? Absolutely. Is yeah. it just for clients of Prospect or is no. it for the whole community? No, the whole community. The whole and community. what services or what, what's, what can people find there on the day? Um, any service that is provided in Charlotte's Towers, they're able to set up a stall there. And then there is a lot of uh, market stalls and entertainment as well provided on that day. Yeah. That's community grow in Townsville. Um, do a community day similar by the sounds of it. And it was massive, massive event. And they do it every year as well. And they've got free rides there for the kids and stalls and all the community events come along. And each stall has a little um, thing that they have to do. Like we had free badges at ours where people can come along and make a badge. And it's just seeing the kids buzz around and the parents being able to take their children to that community event that's free is just 
a really good feel-good feeling for the community. Mm. So that's really good. That's so it's good to see that that sounds very similar to what happens happens here. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how long's that been going for? I can't tell you off the top of my head. Do you receive funding for to get that up and running each year, or you just pull it together and yeah, make we it pull happen? Yeah, pull it together. Our staff are amazing. They're amazing. That's it's a day um, on the calendar year that they give their time. That's so good. What else would you like to see um, Prospect do into the future? Oh gosh, <laughs> I'm a dreamer. So. so, what are the dreams? Oh, ridiculous amount of ideas. Look, we we were. I guess one of the things that we know for. Our participants is that they're in summer here. It's very hot. That's probably the the one thing I would say that if I could magically change, I would change it so we didn't have forty degree days for such a long period of time. So um, we currently have a lease with the PCYC here for the whole of the building, um, and we um, use that for social and community access there. We run a soup kitchen and breakfast program, but I think we could do that better, so uh, and bigger for the community, but I would like to see there to be more capacity building that comes from that. So people from the community running it themselves. So that's the bigger the bigger dream there. Um, there are lots of gaps in the community, but we also have a community that when we need something, they pull together very quickly as well. Housing is definitely a massive issue here, um, and especially youth housing for young people who are trying to transition to independent living. They want to stay at school, but they don't you know, live in environments that are conducive to them being at school every day and having those routines, um, lots of couch surfing, uh, which is everywhere. But we need a solution for that. What do you think the solutions are? Some funding from the government would be good to build more social housing. That would be a really good first step, a commitment, an actual commitment. So, um, and we work very closely with QCOS who are doing lots of advocacy around that. Mm. Um, but we, we, do, we need it needs to happen sooner rather than later because obviously even when you receive funding there's the build on top of that so you're looking at another year beyond that as well so we need some some solutions now. Is housing been a problem that surfaced here in Charters Tales in the last 12 months since COVID or do you think it's been here long before that? I think um, it's been here before that but particularly in the last 12 months and I think we we had an influx of people who moved here from areas where um, there were lots of cases of COVID and, you know, people who had um, occupations that were mobile went, well, this is an opportunity for us to move somewhere else. You know, when you look at, uh, we have a lady who works for us who's from the UK, from Manchester originally, and when she talks to her family and she video called them one day and just showed them where she lives and she lives on acreage and they were astounded that all of that was hers because they don't have that, you know. Um, so here, we've just been blessed around that. You know, we can walk out in our backyards and, and we have all this space. We have four and a half acres, so you we're very You can have a campfire in the backyard. Absolutely. So, you know, COVID for us, COVID lockdown wasn't very different to what we do every day anyway. We, we, we just, we're, we're at home a lot. Um, what community access activities would you like to see here for your participants? Whatever interests them. So it's not about what I would like to see, it's about being guided by them. Yeah. You sound like you're a very driven person who's got more um, 
exciting things to come for Prospect in the years to come. Yeah, I think it might be that lack of sleep, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, sleep's overrated. You need yeah, sleep. That's right. The best ideas come at 2am in the morning. That's right, but you have to write them down because you can't remember at five when you wake up again. That's right, correct. <laughs> yeah. well, thank you for sharing your story with me. You're I wish welcome. you all the best. Thank you. And your family and your organisation, they're very lucky to have you. Thank you. But you're also very lucky to have your tribe. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, no man is an island, so they say, and, and this woman definitely isn't. I have a, an amazing support network. BRAVE is jointly funded by the Commonwealth and Queensland governments under the Disaster Recovery Funding Arrangements. This podcast is produced by Damien Lawarden.